Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am thrilled that you guys are here with us today. We've got a really good show. We've got an e-com veteran who's coming with a tremendous amount of value and tips, how to grow your business, how to have a great relationship with your customers, and even how to do that amidst uh, crises and difficult and challenging circumstances. Speaking of challenging circumstances, I see him coming into the studio right now on his white noble steed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the studio, the one, the only bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, Mr. Dean Holland. <laughs> oh, I see we're in one of those moods today, are we? A challenging circumstance. <laughs> ah, here you are with your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> How are we doing today, James? <laughs> I'm good, man. Good to have you here. I was, I, I even impressed myself with how I tied you into the challenge. I did. It was, it was a good little transition. I liked it. And I can, uh, <laughs> I got to say from the moment I woke up today, I hated you. I don't know if you've heard yet, but I sent you uh, an abusive yeah. boxer message. I've, I've navigated into your new Facebook group and gave you some abuse there. So who knows what's going to happen over the next 30 minutes? Yeah, no, that's right. I created a new Facebook group called Bulletproof Business. And within a matter of hours, you have infiltrated and I and I got off a call with my team, went into the group and there's a, a beautiful little post, keep calm and hate James. So um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for doing that. You're so welcome. we... So we have uh, we have an incredible guest on the show with us today, uh, founder of Bomb Tech Golf, e-com stories done over seventeen million dollars online. He teaches other e-com companies how to have real conversations with their customers at scale, and we're excited to talk with him today. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Sully Sullivan. How's it going, my friend? Glad to be here. What what an intro. Loved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, I, I guess you. It would have been more appropriate had you rode into the studio on a golf cart, but I don't know if you were just kind of like you know being polite. But that That'd would have been be okay cool. if you had wanted to do that. Next time, next time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next time. So, all right. So let's let's dig in here. I'm I'm really uh, really am interested to hear what we're talking about. I think from my perspective, a lot of people who start e-com stores are, and and to a certain extent, rightfully so very, very product focused. But I think when you get too product focused, you forget about the person who's actually buying it, who's your customer. And I feel like one of your philosophies and how you've grown and scaled and everything is that you've managed a way to have a relationship with your customers at scale. Before we talk about how you do that, can can you talk to us about why you do that? You know, a lot of what I've done is not like intentional, but I've kind of... You know, I started back in 2012 with, this is before like Shopify was really a platform, before dropshipping was a thing. And I, I like, so the concept of going like product first to just make money and drive revenue is almost foreign to me because I started it as a someone that had a full-time job and was just sick of it. 
and love golf. I was obsessed with it, so I started a page with no intention of monetizing it or anything. I just started, you know, talking about golf, and then I started assembling clubs. So I did it all of out of passion. So I had no expectations of sales, you know, and all I did in that process was literally have conversations with other golfers like myself. And as things scale up, I've tried to take that same mindset that allowed me to be successful, which was totally by accident. And now it's a part of our DNA, you know, so like when we have, when I say at scale, like, so now we, you know, we do millions every year, but we have conversations via email, which is our most effective channel, just like you and I would be having, right? And that all is how I started. And really, I'm all about like, do what you love and then it won't feel like work. Because I used to work 20 hours a day, seven days a week. I did it for four years, which is too much. I did all the wrong shit. But I loved it. You know, it was golf. It's what I knew. It was, I was talking to those customers. So I've seen people go the other route of like, this product's trending or this is hot. Let me sell this. And it, it turns into work instantly, you know? So I, I can't really relate. I've only, only know what I've done and that's doing what I love and just talking to people about what you know. And then people are going to trust you because you're, you don't have to be an expert, but if you're just passionate and love it, people know that they can feel it. What kinds of conversations should you be having? Like, how do you engage in those conversations? Like while you're in product development, while you're building the store, after you've built the store, you know, and like, how do you turn that into like a, a, a process for a team to follow, not necessarily just something that where, where you're in a product space where you happen to be passionate about the thing yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can tell you exactly how I did it and then translate into like, if I were to start today, again, it's hard for me to like put myself in if I was starting now, but like what I did, I literally was documenting what I was doing. Right. So like when I had the idea of First, I was assembling uh, long drive drivers for my myself because I was trying to win the World Long Drive, which is just the home run derby of golf. And I wasn't that good, but I had someone building the clubs for me, and I broke every single club. And out of pure necessity, I learned how to assemble clubs, right? So, so from there, I just started building my own. And then one of my buddies asked me, like, hey, what is that? Can you make me one? So then I sold it one. Then I made more. And then literally all I did is as I was doing this, I started posting on social media. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going out for a world long drive, whatever. I'm going to go to the range today and hit balls. You know, do, do you hit the range? Like literally just ask questions as I'm documenting. So what happened was I started doing that around golf. And then when I had the crazy idea of engineering my own golf driver, which I ended up working with my local university to engineer, it took a year, which was which is crazy. Like the whole story is kind of insane. I could talk <laughs> for hours about it. But all I did is like, hey guys, I'm headed to UVM, which is the college. What do you guys want to see today? Or like what color driver do you play? What length do you play? And literally just documenting and telling my story as I was going with no I had no expectation of if the product would even be good. You know what I mean? I was just yeah. like, I'm already doing this. So I what happened was by literally just telling a story person to person and then i would you know put in questions i wanted to know and i think that's that's the biggest disconnect i i see is a lot of owners or brand owners want to think they know everything which i used to think right. but i've taken it as like i'm not that smart 
So let me ask my audience or my small audience at the time, like, what do you guys want to see? Like, for example, like what, what driver loft do you play? Right. So I was playing a six degree loft, which no one plays. So I would ask people like, Hey, what loft do you play? And to my surprise, 70% said they play a 10.5. So I would have, if I didn't know that, like these are genuine things you should want to know that if you just actually said, okay, what do we actually need to know from our audience to be better and actually ask questions you want answers to. And then you just distribute that via what was good for me at the time was Facebook. And now we've transitioned that. We still do that on Facebook and Instagram and all those platforms. But we really have transitioned that into email. And I think that is the second biggest disconnect. Number one is people aren't asking genuine questions from their audience because they don't really care, which they should. And number two is email. So we also manage email for about 20 other e-com brands. And everyone wants to use email to drive revenue and to, and to just get clicks. And we look at it as they use it as a one way, like no reply, don't send us emails back. We ask them to reply. We ask them real mm-hmm. questions. And we have a, a real two-way conversation in our most profitable channel, which is email. So like, for example, to like dive into a strategy, it's like we have a launch coming up tomorrow. And so we'll literally ask guys like, you know, uh, hey, hit reply back if you want early access. Okay. And they're like, yeah, dude, I'm pumped. I'll, I'll be there at 10. And I'll literally ask like a new product. This is crazy. I'll be like, you know, what color do you want? What shaft length do you want? What price would you pay? And what it does is like you, you're not going to get all the answers you want. You're going to get all over the place. But Right, people right. feel like because they're communicating, they are part of that process. And it's, it's allowed us to just literally, and especially in times like today, like today, what's going on in the world is the craziest time I've ever gone through. But we can continue to have these real conversations. So we have a long-term relationship that isn't just, you know, if we don't sell today, we're not going to be around. We could sell to them in three months, six months, nine months, because our list is so... Uh, so engaged, you know, that's a real right. asset that we own, right? So like, that's how I've transitioned, like, what was on social to actual profit. Because like for Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, conversations are good, but they don't necessarily drive revenue. Email, you can right. do, you can have conversations, but you can also drive revenue. So that's, that's really how we've, or like, we've really turned what I think is just, it should be a two-way thing into, you know, actual people that care feel like they're part of the brand and then you drive more revenue well here's the well here's the interesting thing that that i think is like a lot i think a lot of times after after so long people do actually marketers do forget that email is supposed to be a, a two-way channel right and, and I, th- I think you just hit the nail on the head silly when you said like most people it's just a one-way thing they're just blasting emails out for clicks and sales and they're not even asking for any kind of communication but what what would you would you say that your sort of success from the email marketing side is largely because you have that two-way communication by that i'm talking specifically more about not just necessarily the results you generate but the response rates the open rates things like this do you do you think that that's made a a significant difference that you have that two-way communication style 100 percent. i mean we've seen it time and time again not only with my own brand but with other brands is like i'm sure you guys have gotten these emails or even sent these where it almost looks like a display ad in an email where it's right. it's, <laughs> totally. it's HTML coded, it's beautiful. It's a it tells you 
everything that's going on in the company. It's got 15 different calls to action. Right. And they, they put so they overdo and become not native to email. Like when you send an email to each other, do you make an HTML coded email to send to your buddy? <laughs> yeah. No. Well, Dean sends Dean sends me some strange things, but I haven't gotten an HTML coded email. <laughs> right, from. right. So like, <laughs> I'm sure he has, but so like you would just send him plain text. So one of the first things we do, and again, you have to switch it up, but a majority of the emails we send are plain text. And and as a brand owner of an e-commerce brand, they instantly want to like say no. Like, why would we not send a beautiful on-brand, sexy, overly designed email? Oh, and I we say to them, well, do you want results? Do you want revenue? Do you want clicks? Do you want engagement? And it, it's never we've never had a a designed email outperform a plain text email ever. Really? Uh, I'm not yeah. saying just use text only forever. Like we throw in gifts, we throw in images. Like we do use, you know, different design elements, but it's really try to be native to your platform. You know what I mean? That I think that's the thing too. It's like when you become an owner or not become an owner, but if you're an e-com brand, there's this feeling of just like design and, and a on-brand stuff you want to do. But it's like first question I'd ask on any platform, especially email it's like, are you are you acting native to that channel? You know, right. So, so would, that, you, would you go as far as saying, sorry, like, let's say you don't have the full graphical, beautifully designed email, but you have just a company logo at the top for the branding? Is would you not even go that far? Would you literally strip it all out other than like a typical email? Would it just be plain text? We we do both. Like typically, we'll just A B test. So like right. we'll have hypotheses of or like of an idea of like, hey, let's do plain text for this versus like having the header logo. Typically our rule of thumb is like one logo or one image is right. it. So like our, our whole our whole goals are number one, write subject lines that get that don't tell the whole story. So you get the open, right? Yeah. Then the second thing is we don't give away everything in the email so we get the click. So a lot of times we do like mystery offers or click to see the code or like, so we, we don't give it all away in the email. Right? right. And then the number one rule, no matter what we do, I don't care if we're doing, you know, we have some images or no images. We always have one call to action. And like, if you take anything away today from anything I'm saying or rambling about is if you just have one specific action you want them to take versus having, you know, newsletter about us, subscribe like all this just different stuff just have one thing you want them to do whether it's reply or whether it's to go to a certain page and just do and that's it if you just do one thing you're going to be 90 percent better than almost everyone out there right yeah i love i love um just just picking up on these little little tips that you're dropping here i i to me, it sounds like a, a lot of the success that you're getting from this is that you're heavily focused in on a variety of engagement type strategies. Obviously, we've got to get the email open, but I love what you just said in a sense of you're not giving everything away in the email. They have to click through to get that to get that answer to to fulfill that that thing they're looking for. And 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 also with the response, like the two way conversation style. I, I from the things that I know of email marketing, I imagine this is why you're seeing those response rates, right? All these things, the clicks, the replies, the the engagement, everything is just compounding to continue giving you great results. Yeah, it's an overall strategy, but then there is some tactical stuff, but I, I don't like to get too deep in the weeds of like the tactics, but if you just change your strategy, 
to be, you know, a more overall conversation, that alone, just thinking of that when you go to write your next email will, will make you more successful, you know, because you're like, you're thinking of it of a different way. And those like higher level thought changes are probably the hardest. So that I can, I can tell mm. somebody ta- a tactic to use and they may use it in one email, but if it's not a part of like a complete strategy that involves and they really care about the customer, then it, then it won't, it won't crush it. You know what I mean? It's a compounding, like you said, it's an overall strategy of how all the flows go together, you know, the automations and then the campaigns. And really it's a part of building a relationship. And one of the other key things we do, not to go too deep in tactics again, but like we try to attach a person to the brand. And it's as simple as we literally just change it because most people just say, you know, the company's name at the bottom will attach a founder founder's name. Mm. And that, that one little change coming from James or Dean or Sully versus like Bomb Tech or Just the right. Tips or whatever, it, it just makes it more, number one, native. And number two, more personal at scale. So again, we're going to the conversations at scale. And you don't really typically have two-way conversations with brands, right? You typically have them with people. So right. that, that's really, so every email that comes from BombTech comes from Sully. So they reply back and they're like, Sully, they don't say, hey, BombTech support. <laughs> they say, right. Sully, this club's great. Or Sully, where's my coupon code? So they reply back, even though I'm not writing every single email. It's sure. still coming from the founder. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. You know what I really you know what I really love about this too is because the the golf space is very competitive. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're just talking about, you know, some of the early stuff that you did. I know you work with other companies now, but there's a tremendous amount of competition there, right? And there's some big players that are well established and all that sort of thing. And somehow in the middle of that, you manage to have real conversations with real people and create an amazing company out of that. Like if that doesn't demonstrate the power of what you're talking about, then I really don't know what would. It's funny. Entrepreneur early days did an article on me and I was like, number one flatters. Like, Oh my God, we, this is, we were really small, like doing like, it was like half a million a year, like no revenue pretty much. And they're like, Oh, cool product. Great. You know, cool founder, not going to make it. <laughs> they're like, they're like it's too competitive. They're just like, there's to your point. There's no way they're going to be. He's going to be able to compete with billion dollar brands that have the pros, that have the retail locations, that just have been doing it for fifty plus years. <laughs> and really, like, I, I don't want to like. I never act like I knew what I was doing. You know, I really just, I started putting myself out there, and that, to my surprise, most people didn't hate me. They, they felt like they could relate to me as like a regular person, regular golfer. Mm. And I mm. think that was the difference is like I started putting myself on video. I started putting myself on emails. I used to take all the phone calls. So people started like to what I mean, relationship at scale and conversations. They were like feeling like and I still do put myself out there like we do. There's some, they're like handwritten thank you cards. Thanks.io. They use like a robot, but it comes from me. We do thank you voicemails for me. So we do all these things that are from a person and it's me, you know, and, and it's funny. Like I have memes about me now, which <laughs> at first was really hurtful. I was like, wow. I, I like, <laughs> like they really, like, and it was like hurtful stuff. Like your clubs are garbage. Like you should die. I was like, whoa, wow. whoa. Like, is it hardcore stuff? And my marketing guy that runs my ads, he's like, "Congratulations!" I was like, "I was like, for what?" I feel like shit. This guy's everyone's ripping on me, but <laughs> but it, it was 
that's when sales were, you know, scaling really fast. And what we've found is there's no money in the middle. So like mm-hmm. me as a person and my brand is somewhat polarizing. You have guys mm-hmm. that absolutely mm-hmm. love us. Then you've got the loyalists of a larger brand or whatever, or they like certain stuff and they hate us and they hate me and that's okay. And I've just found like, find your own voice. Don't try to please everyone. And the, and every ad and email we've ever done that has performed the best is the most polarizing. And it, it's really when people stop caring or responding or commenting, then you're in trouble. So when I see yeah. on an ad or an email, like a lot of, you know, good comments, bad comments, as long as people are engaging, you, you're doing something right. And that's probably, it was the hardest thing for me to learn. Like, Okay, because I try to please everyone and have like every product offering, every option. And when I started to do that, I spread ourselves too thin with more products that my core audience didn't need. And when I just said, let's do what makes sense for us and have some haters and have some people that don't like us and be polarizing, that's when stuff works the best. But that, again, as a brand owner, you want everything perfect. You want everyone to love you. You know, you want it to look a certain way, but there's no money in the middle where it's vanilla and you, you please everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think one of the things that I, I've found with me, like when you, when you're starting out, you, you maybe don't yet have the thick skin to, <laughs> to oh, take totally. the abuse at the beginning. Right. Like, you know, it, it, it took you a little bit of time before you, you could, you could take that. Right. I imagine. It still hurts, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's just, it's a thing. Like, I think it's just all perspective, you know, like everything in life and business is perspective, you know, like, you see it as a bad thing and then you realize, okay, people care enough to make Mm. a meme about you because they hate you. So they're actually caring. They're putting enough time in because (laughs) you're out there so much. And I know every ad, especially on the ad side that drives a lot of revenue has a lot of comments, good and bad because the engagement's so high that our cost per click is so low. You know, Facebook sees that they're like, wow, that ad is crushing it. We're going to show it 10 times normal. Like I'll give you an example real quick. This is kind of like what kickstarted it for me on the, on the traffic side. I made a video in my backyard when I had a newborn baby in my house taking a nap. I was like, I got to make a video. Facebook just launched video. I, it's the worst camera. It's just me in the backyard of my house. I hit a ball into a net and it sounds like a gun goes off because I hit it so hard. And then the net explodes like it shatters. And I go, does your driver sound like this? And I boosted it. This is early days, right? And I boosted for 300 bucks and it got 300,000 views, 10,000 comments. Damn. And, and what, what I did is I commented till my thumbs were bleeding on <laughs> every single comment. Oh, and, wow. what I, and I didn't, and again, this is what I mean. Like I didn't intentionally do a lot of what things I did, but now I know what works. But as I was doing that, I was just like, I was first shocked that that many people would comment on something. But I was literally having conversations with 10,000 people that would then lead into them being like, oh, this is a real brand, a real person, a real product, just by commenting back. So we do that, you know, with social media, with email, everywhere. We try to, anytime someone's trying to have a conversation with us, we're trying to engage with them and have real conversations back. And that's how it all started. You know, it was I just literally commented on every comment because I was shocked and thankful for every comment we got. <laughs> and out of interest, do you, is that something you're still able to maintain today? Like, do you respond? Do your team respond to every comment or no? Too many now? 
you know, we we're pretty close. We we do try. That's part of our SOPs. You know, like we hammer every single comment we we can. Some of them, like we we ask some, like, hey, what club would you hit from 150 yards? And we'll get like 10,000 replies or something crazy, like, hey, I hit a nine iron. That may be something we wouldn't reply, you know. Right. But if it's anything where they have a question, concern, or real like discussion going on. We do. So it has gotten to a point where we, I do have resources that it, that is a part of our strategy. But there is some things where we had to weigh, outweigh like, all right, if we just comment, there's no real meat on the bones. Like they're just commenting. So our engagement's good, but it doesn't make sense for us to be like, cool, thanks on every 10,000 comments. Yes, you know? yeah, so we sense. try to filter through and we do try to hit every single one if we have the time. Right. And just, just out of interest, just on that, is, is, there, a, is there a particular like tool or something that you're using to manage that? Cause I imagine the, there's, there's a lot of comments and that could easily get lost. Like it, do you physically have people logging in, going through every post or is there yeah. something you're using? Like, we, tried, we tried a couple of different apps. So like email side, let me, let me talk about that first. Cause that's probably the most important. We sure. use a help scout, which is, it's just, it's so easy to use is even easy for me. What you can do there, you can actually make save replies. And you can reply at scale. So when we do an email that says, hey, you know, reply back if you want early access, we'll make one reply that is, you know, like a conversation we'd have. And then we can instantly send that back in under two seconds. So we do say, so we do reply back to these thousands of emails by making safe replies. So it makes it scalable. On the Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, we do everything native. We tried different apps to make it better, but they lagged more than... Than what it was worth. So, yeah, we've got people just logging in, <laughs> hammering co- comments as fast as we can. Wow! Gosh, gosh, that's uh, that's uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty incredible. I know. Um, with you know, we we've actually got a uh, my wife and I. We got a cosmetics brand that we started not 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 all that long ago, and that's one of I asked oh. that because that's one of our challenges right now. Is like. We, we too have seen like, everything you're saying is just exactly what we've ex- been experiencing that that real human connection within a you know it's obviously cosmetics just like golf a giant industry and the giant oh. brands that are in there and we were, we were told the same and it, it, it's just be a, by my wife being like the real person not just some you know airbrushed photoshopped thing just like a, a real human being that's communicating with people on social it's just really been helping us but we're 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 running into those kind of sticking points now it's like ah how, how do we keep up like how do, how do we manage all of this that's why i was super curious yeah it's definitely worth investing the time and effort to do that i i often there's days where i'm just like i can't because i help with comments too it's like i i just can't do it i'm just burnt right. out you know, the guys tell me they're burnt out because it, it is a, it can be, what's the word? Uh, I don't know. It can know. be tedious, right? It's tedious, I mean, but, and it can be stressful, like, or like, it, it, it gives you a different perspective on the brand if you're only in the comment section, because it's a different type of person that comments there. You know what I mean? But a lot of people, and this may be able to help your cosmetics brand, a lot of people that buy don't necessarily comment but they see how you comment. That's a big key difference that I found. I had a lot of guys be like, wow, you know, we didn't know if you're real. And then they went to the comment section because that's like a pretty normal process. Mm. And they saw that someone from BombTech, and I would always use my name, 
you know, so I didn't just comment back. I would leave a name. So if Mike was doing it or Alex or, you know, Chris or whoever was doing it, they leave their name. So it's, again, we're making the brand into some person, right? All right. So, but like they, the guys that were buying weren't like, hey, I commented 50 times. They're like, hey, I read your comments. You you dealt with some of the haters and I liked how your brand responded to that. And it made me feel like you guys were real or legit. Mm. And like, that's the challenge early days with launching anything. So it's like, I sometimes like, well, it's not worth doing this. And same with email and with the guys. I, I'm not as into the email now because like we have the systems and the guys handle all the day to day. But, you know, when there's thousands in the inbox and they're like, they feel overwhelmed. You got to understand like long term, you may not reply to all those today and have a spike in sales today. But when you have your next launch or next you know, offer, it's in season. Those guys are more apt to buy because they feel like they're a part of the brand. You know what I mean? So real quick, with having a team, though, responding to the comments and the emails and stuff like that, how do you keep the brand message consistent, right? Like what, what kinds of guidelines do you have for training and managing people to be able to make sure that that whole thing works the way it should? So I've got this. I have such a small, I, I say team lightly because my team is so small. You guys will laugh. So, I mean, like the one thing that to take a step back, I used to have six employees, which still isn't much, an office, traditional setup. And then I had two kids. And before my second kid, I said, I need to take time off because I've been working too much for too many years. I was like, this is crazy. I took six weeks off, right? And what do you think happened to sales during that six weeks? I would like to say they stayed consistent, but I'm going to say they went down. My yeah. money's on. They declined. They they went up. <laughs> they went up. Oh, so, wow. nice. so better. So this is like, so I had this aha moment. Like number one, do I need to be doing all this stuff? Like, cause I wanted to strangle, like uh, I feel like as myself as a brand owner, I want to touch control. Huh. Do, do everything, right? It's easy to get in that trap. But then that moment, which was after five years of doing this, it made me realize it's okay to let go of stuff that you shouldn't be doing. And really what it allowed me to do is work on higher level like KPIs or, or statements that would allow them to do the work under that principle, right? So like number one, with customer service, our goal is to do the unexpected. So like if someone expects, you know, if something happens, they lose a shipment, if they expect some baseline level of service, literally we give the guys leeway to do what they wouldn't expect to wow them. And that'll, so essentially that becomes the normal. Or, and I, so I try to make these high level KPIs and things to allow them to work freely but then we also make like a million SOPs and save replies because we get the same questions in 50 different, 100 different ways, but it's only like five different questions, right? Right, yeah. right. So what we do is my main guy, Mike, who runs, I actually have another outsourced team that helps with the replies and stuff. He manages the save replies, gets them on brand, on tone, and they help distribute it to our, our actual emails because we get so many. But really what I found with, staying on brand and stuff like email on brand is outbound and then how you reply. But really if it's an issue on brand doesn't matter if you're not fast. So I have, we've changed our KPI 
for speed. So like, let's say you're wicked on brand, like, Hey, this is, you're, you're all on, on tone on brand, but you you don't reply back for four days versus if you solve their problem in a somewhat, mm. you know, not as on brand way, but it's an issue in five minutes, who do you think is going to get a better satisfaction rating? Yeah. The five minutes. Right. So it depends right. where you want to go on brand. So like mm. social, you know, I have one guy, Mike, who does the social cause he can be on brand. But it's like there is a time and place when speed, and that's when they have issues on customer service, is more important than brand, in my opinion. Does that make sense? Or yeah, yeah, no, yeah that's awesome. Yeah, I was imagining James that uh, as Sully started answering your question there, that this you 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 want to keep talking now for another thirty minutes, don't you? This is this is starting <laughs> your zone now. Well, I like I like every I like everything about this, including the story that the entrepreneur wrote about him saying that he wasn't going to make it. I actually found it while we were talking here. And I love, I love that there's one paragraph. Sullivan is unfazed. <laughs> he said, no our mindset. Choice, I mean, I got, yeah, our- I, I got fired from my day job when my wife was pregnant with my first kid the week before Thanksgiving. So it was like, and bomb tech was a side hustle, like was doing barely wow. no revenue. So, I mean, there was a lot of life events that, were the kick in the ass I needed to make it happen that yeah. if it didn't happen, if those things just didn't happen, I don't know if it would ever gotten to where it, it did in terms of size. And then mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have gotten it to be as hands off. Cause like I, I this is going to sound terrible, but I mean, I ski four unless it's coronavirus season, I ski, you know, four days during the week. And then I nice. get golf almost every day because right. when I had, like I said, I had my second kid, I could, set it up so i wasn't doing the day-to-day so i've had all these little life events that's it it just all has happened for a reason i guess um and it's all good i'm thankful if like things stop today it's been a good run but because we've got so many good customers and like the one thing to top this off with like the conversational stuff at the end of the day any e-commerce brand in my opinion your biggest and most valuable asset ever will be your email list and your customer list and really, if you're ever to sell or if you're ever to, you know, do anything with the company, that is what you'd be selling, right? So if I don't really nurture that list and I go to launch a new product, it's not going to convert. They're not going to want it because they don't care. So really, and I say it because like, let's say Facebook ads got so expensive that it couldn't work anymore. If I still have my email list, I still exist. You know what I mean? So like, that's the one thing I own. So we treat that in such a different manner than I think anyone. Cause like if, if traffic went away, could we still exist? Maybe not that same scale. We'd have to find a different source of traffic, but still we have, you know, 80,000 buyers and then 120,000 subscribers that we could then still have conversations still exist in some manner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I told, I totally agree with you. And I think that for many businesses, their, their most underutilized asset is their list. I see it every day. I see it every day. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people uh, a lot I think a lot of people have have listened to the to the nonsense of email marketing's dead. And so I think that a lot of people approach it thinking email marketing's dead, so let me just like beat the crap out of my email list until until I delete it and start again. <laughs> I think you know, I think yeah. I think the art of email marketing is actually a forgotten art amongst many new circles. It, it's I still agree. it's still the 
I mean, like, for example, not to get really in, into it because I know we're getting short on time. You tell me, but like an average client of ours. So the only reason I could start another business was because I set up my business to give me enough freedom, which is number one, which is which is amazing. And I'm thankful to do that. Um, and now my agency that we do email for other brands was actually my first employee at BombTech. Uh, and he still runs all my BombTech email too. But really, it's... What do I want to say? I would email. It's just one of those things where if you go into it with that attitude of it's dead, it's never going to work, right? And, and it's like, so they just blast and burn and kill... And like an average client, what I was going to say is, is doing like 15% on a high scale of revenue from email. And we'll bring them up to like 40 to 50% and would set up my business to give me enough freedom, which is number one, which is, which is amazing. And I'm thankful to do that. Um, and now my agency that we do email for other brands was actually my first employee at BombTech. Easier. You know what I mean? So it's not like it's an end all be all like email is going to change your life, which it probably will, but uh, it just makes all your marketing so much more efficient and so much more profitable. And a lot of guys will look at our ad account and like, why is your return on ad spend so high? And it's not because we're that good at ads. It's because email is propping that number up. You know, it's because yeah. we're driving so much 50% of revenue from email that they're like, oh my God, your return ad spend is insane. Why don't we have that? Well, you're doing 10% of revenue from email and you're not using that source properly. So it's, it's still the one channel, like we do SMS too, but email is a, still the best channel that you can own to drive revenue. No other way to put it. Yeah, no, that's all. Only if, there should be a caveat, only if you do it right. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Big caveat. Yeah, no, that's uh, no, that's really awesome. I tell you what, um, I know we're, we're probably reaching the end, but you know what, one of the big, big sort of things from me from this conversation that I think, I think, and, and hope like for people listening is going to be really inspired by this. Like to me, Sully, you, you've got that persona of like, you're just the normal guy that's, that succeeded and figured this stuff out and you're still that guy. And I think like one of, one of my recent takeaways as I ventured into e-commerce over the last few years has been that I, I, I truly see that or believe, and I'd love to know if you agree that we're in a we're in a phase in life or history or whatever you want to call it where the little guy can compete with the big brands now like you know i i, I like like you've competed in the in the golf industry against these multi-billion dollar brands and you've done it because i'd imagine like pete you're just a normal real guy just like all the other guys on the golf course and they can resonate with you relate with you i think so many people fail to see that potential in themselves because they think they've got to be the big brand and perceived as the, you know, the, the faceless big named brand and hide behind that. And so they never get started. And I think I really hope from people listening that they, they, they put, pick up on that and take that away from you. Cause that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Some, some of our best content email videos have typos are shot on iPhone where it's just me like talking to the phone. Like my hair's not done. I look terrible. Like mm. being authentic and real, it is what makes a small brand uh, tangible and, and be something different. Cause there's no way you can compete with a billion dollar brand, you know, and, and do the things they do. So like I, I say, don't overproduce it. Don't try to be perfect. Just be yourself and do something that you love. That's the only thing I think that I've really seen. Like if you can, if you can get over the fact that you, you don't have to be perfect to do it, but you do something that you know enough about 
that you have an opinion on, like that's the only way to do it. Like my, I was going to launch another brand. I didn't do it cause I didn't want to ruin it. Cause I, cause golf turns into work for me a lot, but I was going to launch a ski, a ski brand because I ski like 50 days a year. And it's just, I knew the industry. I know what I want. Like that's the only other industry for me that I would even enter, even though I probably shouldn't enter it because it's, it's there's a million competitors just because it's something I love. So I, I think if you're willing to put yourself on camera, put yourself in emails and just be yourself and do something you like, that will at least give you your best shot, whether it's a product, a service or whatever of doing it. But to your point, I mean, it's so hard for me to even think about starting out again. I did start another an agency, but when I was back then, I had no expectations. I was just doing, you know, I was just, I was documenting. So if you do it with that and let the product and the ideas and, and kind of formulate as you, as you grow, it's probably the harder long-term approach, but that's all I know, you know, and it's, it's worked out okay for me. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> what do you think, James? Yeah, no, I think, I think it's awesome. And I think it's such a great, such a great reminder to hear that you can make a lot of money, have loyal customers, and really enjoy what you're doing when you have this relationship backbone as the aspect of, you know, the way that you do business. And so I, I really appreciate what you shared here today, Sully. And, you know, we're, we're going to wrap up now, but if, if people want to check out what you're doing, you know, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So if you love golf, bombtechgolf.com. If you're an e-com brand, we'll do a free audit of your email at ecomgrowers.com. And uh, bottom line, like one takeaway I want you guys to have too is, if you guys as a brand owner of an agency or an e-commerce company, if you just care about your customers, you you will win. But a lot of people, myself included, early days is about, you know, at some point it's about money. But if you lose that sight and really just care, that will really direct a lot of what you do in every aspect. So just actually care and be thankful. Like I'm so thankful and still shocked that we've sold like 300,000 golf clubs. Like it blows my mind and every day I'm like, if it stopped tomorrow, I'm thankful because of every single person that's given us a try. And you know, yeah. if you come from that angle, you can't lose. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you, uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing with us, I appreciate that. And uh, I'm sure our listeners do as well. And to our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in today. We appreciate you guys. Make sure you leave us a comment or review. Tell your friends and family about us. And we will talk with you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamesbfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.